Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Citizens of Perfectville, sports fans everywhere, we are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device today and sign up to receive your 100% welcome bonus. You heard me right 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. That's ridiculous. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 when signing up. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your five-game losing streak, Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you in part by BetOnline.ag. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? I know you have to start the show asking that because you do it every time, but my God. It, we were just talking off air. It is not even fun right now. To, to, and I like talking to you. And I like talking to our listeners of Perfect Bill. I don't like talking about the Dolphins right now. But like you said, contractually obligated. Ironically, believe. Um, I don't know how much belief we have in this team right now. But uh, five game schneid. And even the national media is like most disappointing team in the NFL. Well, it, it has to be. I mean, considering we went 10 and 6 last year, we're in year three of the rebuild. This is when the rebuild is supposed to be done and people are moving into this brand new house that we've built. But uh, it seems like just about every news outlet, whether it's traditional media or new media or internet media, whatever you want to call it, Chris, is uh, saying that the uh, the residents of the team not only don't want to move into the house, they want to move out and they want to go elsewhere. They don't want to be here anymore. Uh, after the Miami Dolphins lose embarrassingly to a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence to a winless in 20 straight games, Jacksonville Jaguars, they lose once again on an end of time field goal, 23 to 20 Tua a Vailoa comes back in this game here. Chris, he doesn't play poorly. He made a couple of weird and sometimes bad decisions, but he threw for over 300 yards. Jalen Waddle looked like a star Mark Mike Kosicki. Looks like he's worth every penny that somebody's going to throw at him. Hopefully the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Devontae Parker doesn't play. Preston Williams doesn't play. Xavier Howard doesn't play. Byron Jones doesn't play. That's about $80 million in four players that uh, had hamstring issues or whatever the case may be. Forces Noah Igbenogany to not only play but start. And uh, we saw the results here, Chris. Nine targets of Noah Igbenogany by the rookie Trevor Lawrence for seven catches over 100 yards and a back-breaking touchdown against him as well. Um, I don't put this one on the offense. I put it squarely on the defense. I've said this time and time again for podcast after podcast after podcast, and finally people are listening to me. There's something wrong with this defense, and this week it was Noah Igbenogany. Uh, What are your overall thoughts? I know you're down. By the way, you never want to talk to a doctor 
And then the doctor tells you, well, I'm having a bad day. It's like, can we reschedule this visit, please? Can we have a different day of surgery when you're, you know, having a better day? But uh, everybody's down in the dumps and they should be. The Miami Dolphins are one and five. And oh, by the way, uh, they don't get a bye after flying to and back from London. Uh, They go right into an Atlanta Falcons team who does have a bye. Uh, We'll talk about that later in segment three. But uh, what are your thoughts on this game? What are your thoughts on this team? Yeah, offensively, okay. Um, You know, Tua, we were talking off air. you know, we, the offense went through Waddle, went through Gesicki. That opened up things for guys like Matt Collins, Albert Wilson, uh, and Darren Smythe randomly had a fucking great game too. So um, this offense is so weird, Sam. I'll start with the offense because I, the, the offensive coordinator, the week before with Jacoby Brissett, Gaskins has like a franchise record in receptions, uh, two touchdowns, I think, or one touchdown. You know, had a great game. Um, just personally, and then he comes out in this game and we try to use him. He's dropping everything. Uh, I don't know if they punished him for that, for, for drops. Um, he's nowhere to be seen. We're not really running the ball much, but if we do, it's with Ahmed. We try a fourth down run out of shotgun and RPO, which took seemed like 30 seconds for two to actually just decide to give him the football instead of just a power run, get five inches, whatever it was. Um, so offensively, yeah, two of his numbers are okay. A couple boneheaded plays. The defense. Let's talk about that because I've defended them a few times when you've uh, though over the weeks been like, hey, they're, they're a problem. They're a real problem. <laughs> like I know Xavier Howard and, and and Byron Jones were out, and that is a lot. I mean, like two starting corners. That's going to hurt a lot of NFL teams. But this is a rookie quarterback. Like traveled over to London. Um, they haven't won since week one of last season, Sam. So that is just every team you can think of in the NFL including us on a Thursday night last year have beaten them. And we're the team. It's us. Of course it's us. That gives them Urban Meyer's first win. Trevor Lawrence's first win. They win in London. They break the streak. This random kicker comes off the, the, the field. Um, the time management of the game was terrible defensively too. At the end of that play, they do, everybody's thinking Hail Mary and all of a sudden they run, they run a slant for some God fucking awful reason. We sprint over to touch the guy. Somebody made a great point on Twitter, and I wish I knew their name to give them the credit because I didn't think of this. During the game, I mean, of course, tweets are just firing off, but I saw this one. Why the fuck did you touch him? Just stand around him. Let that second run off. He, even if he gets up, just tackle him. Game over, or we go to overtime. They don't have a chance to make that kick. Brian Flores wasted two challenges. Somewhere, one was close. You know, lost two timeouts doesn't coach his team up to run to not run up and touch this guy. Like just all around terrible football game. The only guy that did okay was Tua. So that's nice to not finally talk about him, but the rest of the team looked terrible, mismanaged and miscoached. Well, I think it boils down to coaching at this point. I mean, I don't Has think to. it's, I don't think it's a talent issue. I mean, knowing Benogany is a talent issue. That guy should not be playing cornerback. I will say this. He's a willing tackler and we saw him tackle a lot because the receiver that he was covering was catching the ball a lot. So we had a chance to see him actually tackle or push the guy out of bounds, which is usually what happened. I'm wondering if maybe he's miscast. Maybe he's yet another safety. I mean, he seems like a guy who doesn't mind getting physical. He doesn't mind getting up on the line of scrimmage and trying to attack. I mean, there were a couple of times where he did, uh, there was a corner and he actually made some progress in the backfield. Maybe he's miscast, and maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, there isn't room for him in the safety room at this point, or maybe there is. I don't know. But he's certainly not a cornerback. Uh, he's certainly a huge downgrade from Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Those two being out cost us this game. That There's such a talent disparity between those two and then relying on Noah Igbenogany 
to be, you know, that shutdown corner didn't happen. I mean, it, it, if one of those two guys plays, Chris, if one of them suits up, we win this game. I firmly believe that. Yes. Noah Igbenogany cost us this game because of his lack of talent, lack of ability. But that ultimately goes back to the coach, and it goes back to the home op- or the front office who used a first-round draft pick on this <sighs> kid, and he just doesn't have it. He simply doesn't have it. So in my opinion, the first thing that needs to go is Noah Igbenogany. you got to get him off this team. He's doing nobody any good. Trade him to whoever, and I'm sure he'll turn out to be a decent corner for the rest of his career, but he's not going to do it here in Miami. He's just simply not. So that's number one. Number two, Christian Wilkins had an amazing game. He played very, very well on the defensive line. Christian Wilkins has been an unsung hero of this defense for the entire season. I think he already has a career high in tackles for loss and sacks, things of that nature. Christian Wilkins is getting it done on the front line. So I had asked for this front line to bring more pressure beyond just Emmanuel Ogba. But the problem is now we're not seeing Emmanuel Ogba get there. And it's like, okay, you weren't supposed to take the playoff just because somebody else started playing. I need you guys working in tandem. There's no excuse for why Trevor Lawrence wasn't picked off in this game. He's He was very inaccurate. This game actually could have been way worse if he actually hit his receivers. There were so many drops and so many just bad errant throws by a young rookie quarterback that if if it was a veteran, if it was somebody else like a Josh Allen or an Aaron Rodgers, obviously, this game is probably a 30-burger for the Miami Dolphins defense because he left a lot of points on the field, in my opinion. Um, the linebackers, Jerome Baker, he got paid, and he has not done much in terms of coverage, which is supposed to be his strength. When he's rushing the quarterback, when he's blitzing, he does just fine. But you can't have a linebacker who's supposed to be a coverage linebacker with an inability to cover Dan Arnold. I mean, the guy who was the dad from the Wonder Years is out there catching passes on your linebacker, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be okay with that as a fan. Absolutely not. So this defense is hot garbage right now. Uh, you're absolutely right about the time management. You're, you're right about the, the play calling on defense. You're right about just understanding situational football. It was a slant in the middle of the field with six seconds left. Don't touch him. If he gets up, by the time he gets up, time runs out, and then you throw him back down. Totally fine with that, but just to go over there and rush to touch them to give them the opportunity. Oh, by the way, we called timeout right before that. They changed the play to that slant, which gave them the ability to go ahead and kick that field goal with a guy who you know should be producing this podcast, let alone kicking for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a ridiculous, ridiculous season. We have all the talent in the world by all accounts. We have the coach that's supposed to be coaching the right way. We, we, we did the rebuild process the way you're supposed to by the book. Turns out the book was written in a different language. We just simply can't get out of our own way. We can't get healthy. We can't execute plays. We can't do, you know, sustained drives week after week, drive after drive. It's just a mess in Miami, Chris. So you brought up a good point. Actually, I just thought of this. Brian Flores is in year three. Like you said, he's supposed to be, this is where he's supposed to be hitting the ground running, right? These things are mistakes you make in year one, maybe in the beginning of year two. Like they're just terrible mistakes. Brian Flores uh, very popularly in this first year had a wall, the TNT wall takes no talent. And you just said something. We have all the talent in the world. Is he in over his head with a team with too much talent that he does not know what to do with it all, where he's better served with a underdog mentality, the world's against us type deal and a bunch of young players that are just roaring to go. And all of a sudden now we got these, you know, high paid Jerome Bakers and Brian Jones and Xavier Howard. There's a lot of distractions this off season, Sam, with our higher paid guys, Xavier Howard, all this Watson talk forever. 
there's a real good possibility there, something to look into that maybe Brian Flores is just over his head and he, he can't handle it. Look, it, 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 you can say he's lost the locker room. I think he has. I think they've started to tune him out. We're into year three, and look at the regression, Chris. I mean, we're going the wrong way. This was one of the least penalized teams the first two years of Brian Flores. Fundamental football takes no talent to your point. It takes no talent to know the snap count. It takes no talent to not jump off sides. It takes no talent to not hold the guy in front of you if you're an offensive lineman. Um, but now, according to everyone, this is like the most penalized offense in the league. So that tells me that they're not disciplined. That tells me that they're confused about what they're supposed to be doing. That tells me they're not listening to the coaches. And part of this is because of Brian Flores. Maybe the rhetoric of, of you know that type of fundamental football is falling on deaf ears now because they're, they're getting paid because they had a little success last year. Part of it is probably the message is fucking confusing, Chris. We've had five offensive line coaches in like 24 months. We've had we we currently have two offensive coordinators and yet another play caller who's the QB coach. That's now like the third set of offensive coordinators that we've had under Brian Flores. We're on our second defensive coordinator in Josh Boyer. We we simply have too many cooks in the kitchen. In my opinion, this needs to be streamlined. It needs to be simplified. Somebody needs to lose their job over this game in Jack uh, uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Somebody on the Miami Dolphins football side needs to lose their job because of this loss, whether it's a player losing their spot, a coach losing their job, or a general manager seeing the door. Somebody has to go. Somebody needs to be the person, the scapegoat, whoever it is to say, enough is enough. Get the fuck out of here. We're going to do it again, but without you. You said that, and uh, a lot of people said that on Sunday, directly after it happened. Here we are sitting here on Wednesday, Sam. Nothing. It's almost like Ross is just, he, he's older now. He's an older owner. Is he giving up? Is he just like, I don't want to deal with all the you know replacing and new faces and, and, and all this different stuff? Because you're absolutely right. You don't go on national TV in London to represent the NFL on a global stage and play like that. Like, you just can't lose to this team. There's a point during the game, Sam, where I chuckled after, like, I think they had like three or four, three and ounce in a row, the Jags. And I looked at my my wife, who's sitting next to me, with drinking coffee because we're watching the damn game in the morning. And I'm like, oh, this is a really bad football team. Like, the Jaguars are really bad football team. Just missed routes, dropped first downs, uh, bad blocking assignments, defenses can't tackle, and we lost. We lost to that team, a team where it was on the cusp of the playoffs last year. We beat New England in New England week one on a very close game that took a little bit of luck, a lot of luck. And we have lost five straight games since then. It's a lost season. It's already done. In, in six weeks, it's already done because of how good the AFC is and the parity at the top. The Chiefs lose, they win. The Ravens are dominating. Bills lose and they win. But there's all these teams that are going to be around 10, 11, 12 wins even if we rattle off a streak, Sam, this that five-game losing streak is brutal, backbreaking. It's, it's absolutely brutal. And you look at a game like this where we shouldn't have lost. You look at the Raider game where we were up by 14 early and we lost that <laughs> With game a good in defense, overtime. quote unquote. Right. And we lost in overtime. You look at a Colts team that's not very good. I mean, they beat us soundly, but we should have probably won that game too. And you're looking at a team that at, at worst should be three and three and one game out of the of the top place in the AFC East. 
but we're not. We're one in five, and we're nowhere close. We're looking up at the Patriots. We're looking up at the at the at the uh, Bills, and uh, we're high fiving the New York Jets, who are right next to us. I mean, it's it's not a good look for the Miami Dolphins, and unfortunately, I think we're to a point where we're going to have to start looking about rebuilding this team yet again. And I hate to say it, Dolphins, citizens of Perfectville, but I think this experiment with Brian Flores and Chris Greer is just about done. It has to be at least with Chris Greer. I mean, you, I can I can see people saying, hey, come on, Flores had a lot of injuries. You lose your starting quarterback. After, you know, there's a holdout, the Watson stuff. I can see where he can maybe fix it. Chris Greer has to go. There is a story one of our, our friend from the uh, message board uh, sent to me on Facebook, uh, Jason, um, sent, sent to me where there was an executive. Who knows who it was? They were unnamed, of course. They were like, Chris Greer has to be held accountable. At five five, one, two, three, four, five first round picks the last two years. You're looking at Noah Iganobini, Austin Jackson, literally has given up the number one most pressures in the entire NFL, which by the way, we have three linemen in the top 10 in that category, which is absolutely dis- disturbing. Uh, we're, we're drafting Hunter Long in the third round, who's a healthy, inactive, because like we've well documented on our podcast, Sam, have 37 tight ends. So you're going to draft one in the third round. Makes not much sense. We draft Liam Aitchenberg at left tackle for three years in Notre Dame. We're moving them all around the damn place. Don't know what to do with them. That's coaching. But Chris Greer and Flores, doesn't. they don't seem to have the same path and mission because Chris Greer is drafting these guys, and they're either not starting, they're healthy scratches, or they're being misplayed out of misposition. So what is happening with that connection there? It's either – a new GM, or like you said, it's tough to get rid of one. You got to kind of just clean house. I think it's got to be, you know, you can say you can clean house, but I kind of feel like there is a disconnect between Chris Greer and Brian Flores. And I'm I'm curious again, is it a talent issue? Because if it's a talent issue, then it's Chris Greer's fault. If it's a coaching issue, then quite frankly, it's Brian Flores fault. But the problem is it doesn't seem like maybe we're getting the players that Brian Flores wants. There's been some rumors out there, Chris, that Brian Flores really, really, really wanted Justin Herbert. But Chris Greer was hell-bent on getting to a tongue of Iloa. If that's the case, then we're screwed no matter what because they can't even agree on the right quarterback. And early returns, I know it's early, but it looks like Justin Herbert's probably going to be a generational talent. The book is still out on Tua tongue of Iloa. I like Tua tongue of Iloa. I think he's going to be a very solid yet good quarterback. But he's not where Justin Herbert is right now. Imagine Justin Herbert throwing the ball to Mike Kosicki. Imagine Justin Herbert throwing the ball to Jalen Waddle. Imagine Justin Herbert being with the Miami Dolphins right now. I don't think we're one in five. I just don't. So if that's true, if it's true that Chris Greer is hitching his wagon to Tua Tungabailoa and everyone else is looking for Deshaun Watson, Justin Herbert, or some sort of other quarterback other than Tua, then we got a problem because if the front office and the coaching staff aren't together, then this team is not going to win. And we're seeing that right now. That would be a reason why you're seeing this big chasm in terms of talent and results, because we have a lot of talent. We've had a lot of high draft picks. We've spent a lot of money, but we're not getting the results. And Steven Ross is a businessman before everything else. He's a businessman and he's not going to sit there and allow losses to continue to happen. He's either going to cut his losses and sell this team. And maybe that's the right answer. Or he's going to clean house and say, I'm 80 fucking five years old. I'm looking for this team to hoist a Lombardi trophy, not my casket on the middle of this, you know, in the middle of this field. I need something to win before I die. And that's the reality. That is something that is an actual thought that goes through an octogenarian's mind who's still working in business, which is what he is. 
So I'm not quite sure what the answer is. I do know that somebody needs to lose their job. And quite frankly, it needs to be somebody of importance. I mean, no egg banagada. Yes. Go back to the sideline, please. Thank you for trying. Here's your participation trophy. Now watch everyone else play actual football, but somebody of merit needs to lose their job. And maybe Chris, maybe it's Devonte Parker getting traded. Maybe it's Preston Williams getting traded. Maybe it's Will Fuller getting cut. Maybe it's something along those lines of saying, guys, you're not helping us. You need to go somewhere else. We need to clean house. Goodbye. I think this offense runs better through Jalen Waddle and Mike Gesicki. I think this offense runs better with Tua Tungavailoa versus Jacoby Brissett. I think that bears out in this game. To your point, Chris, Three starting offensive linemen are in the top 10 for most quarterback pressures on the season. Tua Tungavailoa wasn't sacked once. He was hit a lot, but he wasn't sacked once. Why? Because he knows how to get rid of the ball. Simple as that. Now, you can question whether or not Tua Tungavailoa is making the right decisions. That interception was absolutely god-awful terrible. I, I, I mean, there's no excuse for that interception whatsoever. Also, there was a very questionable third and two, which he could have run for 17 yards and instead tried to throw the ball to Mac Collins, who was covered by two people. And, you know, had to get the fourth down. That didn't come back to really haunt us. But it was a little bit of a questionable, like, okay, I need my quarterback to be a little smarter than that. But I don't think Tua Tungabailoa is the problem right now. At least he's not the main problem. The main problem to me is a systemic issue within the front office and the coaching staff. They don't seem to be aligned. And then that leads to some sort of miscommunication or lack of communication to the players, which means the results are what they are on the field. I mean, it just seems like we're going to have to clean house again, which is depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. And it's one of those things that happens every time when you get a Brian Flores type coach that preaches, takes no talent and, and fundamentals and, and uh, holds guys accountable and benches guys and, and stuff like that. If you don't win, that's it. Like Bill Belichick gets away with it because they win, right? But even when they're winning, there's like subtle messages of guys like Gronk and Amendola fucking couldn't stand being there because it's just not fun. It's just like just authoritative the whole time and you're adults and you're professionals. And it works when you got young guys trying to make a name for themselves with the more and more you bring in the higher name guys and that guys are getting paid. Like you said, if you're one in five and Brian Flores is coming in and preaching takes no talent and this and that, you're going to get bent. You're going to go, I don't fucking give a shit. And they're going to throw their helmet off and sit down and go, at least I'm getting paid to be here. So something has to change. Either he has to loosen up, he has to get rid of somebody. But if you do do that, come down with an iron fist and, and cut Will Fuller, like to your example. The rest of the locker room is going to go, fuck you, Brian Flores. Thanks for losing us two challenges, two timeouts, and you don't even know how to manage a fucking game. You're going to cut a player that wasn't even there. So it's like there's that fine line and balance. And if they're not cohesive and matching, man, you have to just cut the head off the snake. And maybe maybe cutting the head off the snake means going to a more traditional one offensive coordinator slash play caller. I don't know. Maybe just a wild thought. It seems to have worked for the first 80 years of the NFL. Maybe we uh, Maybe we just stick with tradition in that regard. It obviously hasn't worked with the co-offensive coordinators, uh, but it's not all bad news, Chris, uh, because like most things, when there's bad news, there's good news. And when there's good news, there's bad news. Uh, the bad news for us right now is that we're going to take a break and we'll be back right after these words, but then we're going to come back and play a little game. We like to say good news, bad news right after these words. Patchvibes.com, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Perfectville everywhere. Unless you've been living under a rock, you have to know that Patchvibes.com is the place for all your Miami Dolphins needs. Shirts, tank tops, patches, stickers, hats, coffee mugs, coffee cups, traveler mugs, anything you can think of that you can slap some sort of creative, awesome logo on. 
patchvibes.com has you covered. They even have the Zubaz pants swim trunks, ladies and gentlemen. Patch Vibes is absolutely killing it. And because they're killing it, and because they're friends of ours here at Welcome to Perfectville, they've given you the promo code PERFECT that you can put in at checkout with all your Patch Vibes needs and get yourself a sweet, sweet discount on everything in their store. So type in the promo code PERFECT on checkout and get yourself a discount on all that sweet, sweet merch. Patchvibes.com. And we're back. Sam Marcou, Chris Cullen. Welcome to Perfectville, presented by BetOnline.ag, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And as we talked about before the break here, Chris, uh, it's a lot of bad news for the Miami Dolphins and this organization right now, but it's not all bad news. There's good news out there, too. You might have to look a little bit farther, citizens of Perfectville, but that's why Sam and Chris are here. We're going to tell you what the good news is. We'll tell you what the bad news is, and you can leave after listening to this segment better about your day or maybe worse, depending on where you are with your mentality. The way this works is one of us, Chris or Sam, will choose whether we want to hear the good news or the bad news, and the other one will then provide the other side of that coin. So if I give Chris good news, he's going to tell us the bad news about that good news. If he gives me bad news, I'm going to tell him the good news about that bad news. Uh, The problem here, or the catch here, is that we don't know what we're going to talk about. So we're going to be on the spot. We'll see how this goes. All right. Do you want good news or bad news, Chris? That last segment was pretty damn negative. Let's start with the good news. All right. Well, the good news, Chris, is that the Miami Dolphins will be playing this Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. Traditionally, they would have a bye week coming off of London, but the Miami Dolphins decided that they didn't want a break after they were going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So instead, we get more Miami Dolphins football this Sunday. That's the good news. Guess what the bad news is, Sam? What's that? We're going to play against Kyle fucking Pitts, who hasn't had that good of a season. So guess what? We, the Miami Dolphins, come into town for him to just turn the season around. If you got Kyle Pitts in fantasy, start, 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 because him and Matt Ryan are going to kick the shit out of this defense. Well, I I think I agree with you, and that is the bad news. It seems like the rookie revenge tour. We lose to Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars in London the week before the Atlanta Falcons kindly sort of figured out how to use Kyle Pitts. He had a massive game in London. They are coming off a bye week because they decided that traveling halfway across the planet and then coming back deserves a break, whereas the Miami Dolphins said, no, we'll just take a bye week next year. So we're going to be tired. We're going to be injured. We're going to be grumpy because we're one in five. The Atlanta Falcons are going to be well-rested. Matt Ryan, old man Matt Ryan, has an extra week to get those knees, the back, the elbows, and all those joints ready to go. And oh, by the way, they get Calvin John or Calvin Ridley back, uh, who was gone for personal reasons. I think his personal reasons are, fuck London, I don't want to go. And then they have Kyle Pitts, who is now, they've figured out, is a pretty good weapon. So the rookie revenge tour of 2021 is about to commence. I agree with you. The good news is the Dolphins are playing. The bad news is the Dolphins the are Dolphins playing. The Dolphins are playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, this is why we work <laughs> like, like literally you can ask anybody that's in my house right now. We did not pre-plan this, but there it is. Spot on. We finish each other's sandwiches. So uh, you have a daughter. I figured you'd know the frozen reference. All right, Sam, good news, bad news. Uh, you know what? Uh, after all that good news, I need to balance this out. So why don't, uh, why don't you give me the bad news? I, I'd like to be a little more optimistic when I counter this. Sure. Yeah. Bad news, uh, Sam. Mike Gusecki is playing his ass off, but he is in the last year of his contract and he is going to be expensive. He is going to be expensive, but the good news is the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot of money, so he's going to be paid 
with all of that cash that the Pittsburgh Steelers have, because to me, that's exactly what's going to happen. Mike Kosicki's going to go back to Pennsylvania as the hometown hero, and he's going to just get, get the bag. They're going to have a new quarterback, and he's going to run wild with that offense with Najee Harris, with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and everyone else. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Mike Kosicki next year donning the black and yellow all of a sudden has a thousand yard season with about 12 touchdowns and 89 receptions. Uh, so yes, he's going to be expensive. That's the bad news. But the good news is the Miami dolphins aren't going to pay him. So we don't have to worry about it. I hate this segment. <laughs> Can we talk real quick too about, did I miss something in Jacksonville? The rules aren't the same. Like if you stretch the ball out and you're not down yet, aren't you down where the ball is? Cause Gusecki did that like three times and none of them, were, were, were reviewed that way and, and played. It was really bad. I, a side note, Mike is sticky. He's one of my favorite players on the Dolphins, but he kind of complains a lot. He, like, oh, man. He, I'm, I'm being held. I'm being passed interfered. You're not giving me the spot with the ball. He looked at me weird. He licked my face. Like He's just complaining about everything. Now, a lot of calls went against him, and I, and I think – as bad as it sounds, the, the the female judge is the one who seemed to make it wrong. And then all the everyone else came together and was like, no, that was wrong. We're going to start over. I mean, I saw a lot of just kind of hatred on Twitter towards the female judge. She had a bad day. No big deal. But he does kind of bitch a lot. I mean, he, he's trying to get superstar calls. And, you know, you're a Miami Dolphin, Mike Kosicki. You're not going to get superstar calls. And don't you listen to Perfect Bill? We had Nolan Carroll on and Jimmy Wilson. They said that no one cares. So you don't get the calls playing in Miami. Dude. But you do in Pittsburgh. You do. Hey, Pittsburgh, you can fumble the ball, have the other team recover it, and they'll just give you the ball back and let you score a touchdown. So good luck in Pittsburgh next year, Mike Kosicki. I hate Gene's territory. Yeah. <laughs> was, he the, was he the actual referee? Oh, absolutely. Because I remember on the message board, everybody, supposedly like he's from the Pittsburgh area and he's a big Steelers fan, and people were like really researching into that and digging into it. God, Twitter has too much fucking time on their hands. I mean, I, uh, okay, well, oh, good to know. Um, same people that also tracked Stephen Ross's plane when we were courting Jim Harbaugh. A um, lot of time for these Twitter dorks. Okay, uh, my turn, Chris. Do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? Let's go bad. Let's start there. Well, the bad news, Chris, is that the Miami Dolphins are basically dead last in running the ball. Uh, they're dead last in offensive production. And Brian Flores, uh, it took him seven weeks to come out and say, we need to run more and we need to run it better. Uh, so the Miami Dolphins, bad news, not a good running team. But it's okay. I got the good news for you, Sam. Hmm. We've got not one, but two players that played with each other in college, and they are each other's running back mates now in the NFL. They're both also playing for two offensive coordinators. So we have four combined guys to put their heads together with a Malcolm Brown that's really good at those short yardage situation. So mix all that in a pot together. Good news is we're going to be A-OK. We run more. We've got the great running backs to do it. Yeah, I, uh, I really love the fact that uh, Brian Flores has come and said, well, we're not a good running team. We need to run the ball more. Meanwhile, everyone on Twitter is just pulling their hair out going, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift. There was a bunch of people out there that we were saying, maybe you should go get because we're lacking some talent. No, we elect to go with the, the, the two lollipop guild midgets from Washington State who, as you adequately and aptly said, 
played with each other, I think, more than they actually played football at Washington State. Uh, here they go, Miles Gaskin, who doesn't run the ball, by the way. I mean, can we just talk about the fact that the guy has the worst vision on the team in terms of the running back room? He can't block worth a shit. The only thing he can do is catch the ball and make people miss. But if you don't use him for that, then he's kind of worthless, quite frankly. Suvon Ahmed has better vision and actually runs the ball with more power than Miles Gaskin. And Malcolm Brown, well, he has a jersey. So, I mean, yes, we need to run the ball better, but we also need some actual talent. We have talent everywhere except for that position uh but you're right i mean we've got two offensive coordinators so what could possibly go wrong yeah maybe chris greer can think about drafting one running back that can catch and run and and, and do short yardage and you know be good like uh, Najee harris or something that'd be cool well the good news it'll be great to see mike Asiki and Najee harris together <laughs> next year in pittsburgh all right, Chris, this is actually more depressing than I expected it to be. So maybe this will be the last or maybe we're getting close to the end of good news, bad news. But I believe it is your turn to provide me. Yeah, what do you want, Sam? Good, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling lonely and, and, and cold and upset. So let's just ride that wave like it's Vegas. And why don't you hit me with the bad news? Sure. Bad news, Sam. We have a home game Sunday against the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. And we have been outscored 67 to seven or something like that it, or 17, 67, 16 in home games. So uh, yeah, no home field advantage. Fans aren't even going to show up. It's going to be an awesome home game. Can't wait, but yeah. Well, the good news is if you are going, there's going to be plenty of parking. So you can pick your, wherever <laughs> it is you want and have a short walk, long walk, tailgate your ass off because there's not going to be anybody around you in that parking grass uh, before you go to the game. Also, good news, Chris, because we're playing the Falcons, I have it on good authority that we're going to be celebrating the University of Georgia football team at halftime. So, you know, look, if you're a Georgia alum, because Stephen Ross is just so smart and brilliant to, uh, you know, just love SEC teams, uh, they're going to be celebrating Georgia because Atlanta Falcons are in town. I'm sure the University of Miami fans will love this. So we've got a nice halftime celebration, and you can get drunk by yourself in the parking lot ahead of time because no one will be there. Good news. Nice. Hey, and all the weirdos in costumes will still be there, so that's cool. <laughs> that's true. 100% true. All right, Chris, we got one more here. Um, good news or bad news? Let's, let's, start, let's end it how we started. Let's, let's go with bad news. All right. The bad news here, Chris, is that in the okayest foot fantasy football league ever, or whatever the hell I named this thing a couple of years ago, my team, Message in a Waddle, lost to Polardi in my mouth, which is the team owned by Raceling, the guy, the third member of this crew, really, that really helps galvanize the dumbassery of you and I, and welcome to Perfectville. He also writes up all the weekly, you know, matchups uh, for this league. My team lost to him. That's the bad news. Hey, the good news is he does our power rankings, and I have been in first place the last couple of weeks, um, and I got destroyed. So it's, I'm sure it's going to be a really fun write-up. I can't wait to see what he says about me. He even threatened me with it on Twitter. I can't wait. Uh, see, there's good news to every sort of bad news, and there's bad news to every sort of good news here, Chris. And I guess uh, the bad news now is that we're getting close to the end of this very special episode of Welcome to Perfectville. Uh, but I would be remiss, Chris, if I did not ask for your prediction as to what is going to happen at this game on Sunday when the Atlanta Falcons come to town to a quote-unquote home game for the Miami Dolphins. What's your score and by how much? Yeah, so um, depressing episode, uh, <laughs> depressing uh, streak. But this is, again, one of those games we should have went, went, you know, won uh, before the season. Here's, here's how it's going to go, Sam. 
I'm going to get off my negative soapbox. I think we really do pull it out this weekend. Um, I, I think Atlanta's got some challenges. I think the team is going to play really well. I, I, I just honestly think there's enough of that locker room that takes this very personally and our Brian Flores guys, and they know, you all know, that's professionals. He's the one that's going to go if they don't perform. And when someone like Jerome Baker comes out and says, uh, you know, we're going to be good, just hang tight to the fan base. And when Tua comes out in this press conference, he literally had tears in his eyes. These guys care. And uh, they're really upset about the streak. And it's a home game. We need it. It's, it's the only string of little bit of hanging hope of turning the season around. You have to beat Atlanta. And I think we're going to do it 24 to 17. 24 to 17. I can see the Miami Dolphins scoring over 20 points against this defense. This defense isn't anything remarkable uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. I, I think we've kind of figured out a nice formula of when you give Jalen Waddle the ball, good things happen. I mean, we, we, we targeted him twice, really, in two different drives against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and touchdowns happened. Uh, there were drives where we didn't really target him and field goals or nothing happened. So I think you do have to take a look at how do we give Jalen Waddle the ball early and often, not just here and there and everywhere, but start targeting him more throughout this entire process. There's obviously chemistry between Tua and Waddle. Also, Mike Kosicki, uh, we need him to be involved before the fourth quarter. This is a guy that you should be throwing the ball to just as often as Jalen Waddle, in my opinion. Those are your two best targets, whether Devontae Parker plays or not, whether Preston Williams plays or not. I don't need to see Albert Wilson out there throwing, a, you know, throwing up the first down swim little you know, celebration that he had because he had one good catch after running backwards. You know, he ran the wrong way like he was on my kid's soccer team uh, earlier in the game. I need Jalen Waddle. I need Mike Kosicki. Those are the two guys that are going to move this offense along with Tua Tungavailoa. Everything else falls into place after that. You can target Miles Gaskin out of the backfield. You can get the ball to Matt Collins when they start to crash down on Gesicki and Waddle. That's all fine, but it all has to run through Waddle and Gesicki. That's your bottleneck. If you can do that, you can score points against this Atlanta Falcons team, in my opinion. The offensive line is not good, but Tua Tungabailoa is, and I think he can actually control that and manipulate that by moving around in the pocket, letting him make decisions to run the ball if he wants to run the ball, and find those guys down the field when he needs to find them down the field. I don't think we have a problem scoring against this Falcons defense. I do think we might have a problem stopping this Atlanta Falcons offense because they do have some good weapons. We talked about Kyle Pitts. We talked about Calvin, uh, Calvin Ridley. Matt Ryan has been doing it in this league for, at this point, I think 75 years. A guy we passed on, by the way. Um, and Mike Davis isn't a bad running back for them. So, I mean, they have enough of a running game that it's probably going to cause a problem for us. So I think the Atlanta Falcons are equipped to score over 20 points on this defense as well. It's probably going to come down to a field goal late in the game. Um, but I'm not as optimistic as you are. You've got them winning. I've got them losing. I think it's going to be another close one, but I think it's going to be one of those things. It's just another gut punch and sends us into a tailspin. Uh, I got us 27-24 Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Wow, you're picking us to lose another home game. Can you imagine we lose another home game, Sam, after not getting that bye from London? There's just going to be too many questions. It's going to be the seat will literally be an inferno for, for the entire team, Stephen Ross included. Um, but he owns Stephen. He doesn't have to do shit. But he can get rid of everybody. So you lose Atlanta at home, especially in embarrassing fashion. And all of a sudden there's boos, right, for the eight people that will be there. And they're booing. And they're tweeting at the team's official social media. Stephen Ross will be sitting in that stadium with his binoculars, gigantic binoculars, watching people leave early, booing, empty seats. Something's going to happen. 
if you're right. I hope I'm right because I think I'm two predictions behind you on the season so far. So part of this is a strategic matter for me to try to catch up to you. So we'll see how this works. I hope I'm wrong. I like when the Dolphins win versus lose. I don't like waking up at 630 in the morning and watching the Dolphins team lose, which, by the way, side note, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the game was over. And as tradition for me, the game's over. That usually means it's like early afternoon or maybe late evening, depending on when they play. I crack a beer. Whether they win or lose, I have a beer for, you know, sitting through three and a half hours of Miami Dolphins football. I did the same thing with this game, Chris, but it was for me on the West Coast, like 10, 15 in the morning. And my daughter's like, is that a beer? And I'm like, yeah, the Dolphins game's over. And she's like, it's 10 in the morning. And I was like, go to your room. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, that's like me. A real quick story. We went to uh, Cozumel on a Disney cruise and it was me, my wife and uh, two friends of ours. And it was an all-inclusive beach. And the waiter came up and said, hello, amigos. My name's Carlos. Um, and he said, um, you know, it's all inclusive, whatever you guys want. It was like 10 in the morning at this point. <clears throat> and I said, Hey, Carlos, we will take, uh, four shots of tequila and four, uh, Corona's. And he's like, we don't have Corona's. We have soul. It's like the same thing. I'm like, cool. And then he goes, uh, senor, it's 10 in the morning. I'm like, Hey, Carlos, I did not ask you what time it was. Yes. I asked you to get shots and beer. And he laughed and said, okay, okay. And we went and we got, we started drinking shots and beers at 10 in the morning. It was a cruise. It was vacation. And here's some time in this. And well, it's a Dolphins is. game. Same thing. Plus the Miami Dolphins make us drink. It means it's five o'clock somewhere by our beloved owner, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, well, Chris, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? I'm really done with this episode now. I am as well. So on behalf of the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, myself, the entire Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. The only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later. Um, so I'll let you know the, uh, the, tw- the text I got last night, because I, I teased it on Twitter, is... Stupid fucking team. I hate it so much. When you text me, you're like, this is embarrassing. I'm like, yeah. Like, just to even be, that's just the Jags, dude. My daughter comes downstairs. There's like seven minutes left. We're up by three and we have the ball. And she predicted 25 15 and it's 20 to 17. And she's like, oh, my prediction isn't going to come true. And I'm like, yeah, but if we go down and score right now, it's 27 to 17. That's pretty damn good. Like, pretty damn close to what you predicted. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. So, I guess in her mind, she's like, well, they're going to go down and score because my dad said, if they do, then that's just what the Miami Dolphins should do. So, she finished breakfast and she went back to her room. And then that was it. Like, she didn't see the rest of the game. She didn't see the meltdown and, you know, losing 23 to 20. So, then later that night, my mom and my sisters were over for my birthday. And she's like, yeah, the Dolphins finally won. And they're like, no, they didn't. She's like, what? And she looks at me I'm like, yeah, they lost 23 to 20. And she's like, how did they lose? There were seven minutes left. They were winning and they had the ball. And I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, I'm aware. I'm aware of what happened. Yeah, I saw it. Four inches. RPO a, shotgun handoff. Jesus and I, Christ. And I blamed her. I'm like, maybe you should have watched the rest of the game. Maybe this is your fault. So, yeah, anyway. of course. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.